Hey everybody, this is uh, my very good friend, uh, Blaine Bartell, and he's gonna be uh, sharing with us today as we uh, finish our series called Quarantine. And if you're brand new uh, to our, this online experience, let me kind of bring you up to speed. We've been talking about these different men and women who have either been self-quarantined or they have been quarantined against their will. All, all playing off, of course, what's been happening in our world with COVID-19. But when we think about quarantine, we're talking about specifically like, um, we're using that as a metaphor more for a crisis or a struggle or a difficulty, something that happens in your life and, and how God could actually be working through that. Because we believe that even in the midst of us being quarantined, we're all kind of coming out of that a little bit, at least in Oklahoma through phase three. But as we even begin, begin to come out of this, what is it that God is trying to speak to us? And I think we can miss it in the middle of a struggle, in the middle of that time in your life, you can completely miss what God's trying to do. So we're gonna talk about that today. One thing I wanna mention though, and Lauren, I talked about this briefly just a moment ago, but what's heavy on everyone's mind is the, the uh, racial injustice, the, the, um, the division and the, the crazy chaos that's happening right now in our country. And so Blaine and I are actually going to be talking about something a little bit different today. But what I wanted to let you know as a church family is I have been on the phone nonstop with a lot of my friends, specifically my black friends, and having conversations with them, which I think is one of the best things we can do, and asking them, you know, what, what, would, what can I do? How can I help? And, and what should our position be? And how can we be... Um, a, a help in the midst of what's happening? How can we be a part of the answer and the solution? And so I'm actually continuing these conversations even into this coming week. And next Sunday, we're going to start a brand new series uh, called Welcome to the Neighborhood. And we're going to start with where Jesus says, love your neighbor as yourself. Mm -hmm. And the religious uh, leader says, okay, so, and he asks it kind of sarcastically, but he says, um, and he says, so who's my neighbor? And he, Jesus gives him an answer that he wasn't expecting. And so we're going to use that kind of as a template. So next week, I want to encourage you to be here as we just kind of begin a conversation and, and what part we can play in, in being a part of the solution and making a difference in, in our country. So today, though, we're going to be uh, talking about Moses. And if you have a Bible, I've got an old school Bible, but uh, Exodus chapter 3 if you don't have a Bible, I just encourage you to download version, a great Bible app. You can look it up. So if you're not familiar with this guy named Moses, let me kind of bring you up to speed. If you've been raised in church, you probably know the story of Moses. But if you weren't, you're like, who's this guy Moses? If you've heard of the Ten Commandments, if you've heard of the children of Israel being led out of uh, slavery in Egypt and, and the uh, parting of the Red Sea, Moses is their leader that did that. But before all of that happened, he was raised actually as a Hebrew in Pharaoh's home. And then he has this moment where, and he's Hebrew, so he sees that one of the Egyptians is mistreating uh, one of the Hebrew people. And he decides, you know what? He gets angry. He gets really, well, that's kind of an understatement. Yeah, he got more than that. <laughs> he, got, he got really justifiably angry. Yes. But really, even to the point where even what we see happening in our country right now, uh, his actions didn't justify uh, what was happening. And he, and he kills this guy. And when he kills this guy, he realizes some people say, hey, you're the, you killed that guy. Yeah. We saw you kill that guy. And Moses just bolts, yeah. takes off to the backside of the wilderness where he's hiding out, basically. And he's starting his life there. And he's just forgetting all 
about Egypt. And when I was reading the story <laughs> about when he was on the backside of the wilderness I and mean, when he was in quarantine, I, I was like, I could preach this or I could call my friend Blaine. <laughs> because when I read this, I was like, this is your story, man. Yeah, yeah. This is your journey. Yeah, powerful. You know, yeah, when I, uh, I remember when my crisis hit, Brad, like uh, 10 years ago. It was actually 10 years ago this past Easter. And so 23 years of living in uh, my addictive stronghold of pornography and lust, and all of, many of you have heard my story from Core Church. By the way, it's good to see you at Core Church. Uh, so by God's terrifying grace, and sometimes we have to have that. And when I say terrifying, it was terrifying because my whole life was exposed mm -hmm. in 24 hours for who I really was, all the secrets I had, my ugly past, the things that I've been hiding. And it was grace because it needed to be exposed. Mm -hmm. God was graciously offering me, you know, freedom from, from my past, but it, it broke me, you know, and, uh, it broke me, you know, broke my marriage. It broke my relationship with my children, broke me financially, literally lost everything, house mm -hmm. and foreclosure, bank account went away. And, but the greatest brokenness was like the brokenness of my soul and this feeling of absolute shame and self-loathing and hatred. And I did exactly what Moses did. Mm. I ran for the hills. Mm -hmm. I didn't want anything to do with church, not because I felt like church was mean or they were bad, you know, to me. The church had always been wonderful for me. Mm -hmm. I mean, I got saved when I was 16. From that moment on, I don't think I ever missed a Sunday. Like I was either, you know, listening to my pastor or preaching in a church. So I, I love the church. I love God's people, but I just felt like uh, I wasn't good enough anymore. I knew all along because of my secrets that I wasn't good enough. But mm -hmm. now that it was super exposed and it right. was in Dallas Morning News, Charisma Magazine and all over social media, I was like, okay, I got to go away. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, Moses, I, I ran. Yeah. yeah. So here's Moses uh, it, it tells us if you, if you're in Exodus chapter three in, in verse one, second part of that verse, it says this, he, he led the flock and it says this, this is key. Say this with me. It's on the screen for you far into the wilderness. He went far into the wilderness and came to Sinai, the mountain of God. And I think what, what happens to us is when, when we are exposed and, and this, here, let me back up a step here and say this that I think many times life is brutal. Mm. The best way to think of life is it's brutal. This is what I've learned even through my own brokenness is that life is brutal and it's also beautiful. Yeah. But, I, and so together that is brutal. In fact, when I think about this message, the title of my message is Brutal Bushes. And if you're not familiar with the story, you'll, you'll know what I'm getting at here in a minute. But when we experience pain, whether, whether we have uh, done something to someone or for honestly, for some of you, it may be that you didn't do something to someone, but mm. something was done to you. And when that is exposed or, or you come to grips with that, you just want to run. Mm. You just want to bolt and get as far away from it as you can. But really what happens like Moses is you would, I mean, you would attest to this is that when you think you're running away from it, you're actually just running deeper and further into the wilderness, yeah. into a wilderness that happened to you. 
Absolutely. Yeah, I, I love what you said, Brad, about something happening to us. Uh, because I think anyone that has, uh, anyone like in my own story, anyone that has moved into some area of an unhealthy lifestyle, whether, or, or we could call it a sinful lifestyle, whether for me it was pornography and lust, maybe for somebody else it's, you know, excessively drinking or taking mm -hmm. drugs or whatever, all of those things that can destroy us and destroy our families. How many times is there a backstory? You know, how many times is there something mm -hmm. that was yeah. going on that was just painful in our backstory mm -hmm. that we were trying to medicate? Like, right. I, I feel this hatred for myself or I feel this pain. And so I'm going to drink the pain away or I'm going to pour the pain away. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, we, we, we have to uh, deal with that. And for me, as I went deeper and deeper into my wilderness, and I think God loves to get us in the wilderness because we're alone, mm. we're desperate, wow. we have nothing. And finally, he's the only thing we can really lean into. Like, that's why the first thing that came out of Jesus' mouth was, blessed in his first sermon, blessed are the poor in spirit. What, what's a poor in spirit mm -hmm. person? It's a desperate mm -hmm. person. Yeah. It's somebody that says, I don't have the answers. I don't have the way. And that's the beauty of the wilderness is uh, there isn't a carnival. There isn't a distraction. Mm -hmm. There isn't a movie to go to. There aren't a bunch of friends to hang out with. It's just us mm -hmm. and God and we can have those hard conversations. Yeah, right? yeah. I think it's, it's, yeah, it's us and God and our pain. And, and you're just there right in the midst of it. And that you, I, I, that's so beautifully said. So Moses ends up on the backside of the wilderness and he thinks that, you know, he's gotten as far away from God as he can. I love what you said about, it's, it's really where God finds us. And it's where, and this idea that God allows us there we don't. We, we just want out of the wilderness. Yeah. Uh, just get me out as quickly as possible. But it's in the midst of our brokenness. We've been saying this throughout the series. It's in the midst of that brokenness that God shows up and where He does His most beautiful work. But He shows up in the craziest ways. Like in the story, it says this in verse two. It was there that the angel of the Lord appeared to him. And and if you don't know this story, it, I've heard the story since I was a little boy, raised in church. So I'm always like, yeah, it's just, it's nothing to me. But when I read it, honestly, from the perspective of never hearing this, I'm like, this is the craziest story I've ever heard in my life. It says, uh, there the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the middle of a bush. So, and then uh, it says this, Moses stared in amazement, well, duh. Uh, and then though the bush was engulfed in flames, it didn't burn up. So Moses goes to the wilderness to get away, and it, but it's in the wilderness that he finds God. Talk to us about, because I think that's hard sometimes for people to go, I'm going to find God in the midst of all of this. Where did, what was your burning bush? Where did God show up for you? Yeah, such such a beautiful metaphor because first of all, uh, it was a burning bush. We, we, we don't look for bushes. We never comment. Oh, that's a beautiful bush. Bushes cover stuff. You know, mm. bushes are, mm. you know, in our, our gardening, they're not the big deal. The trees are the big deal. And yeah. But in this nondescript bush, God shows up. And for me, Brad, what happened is God began to burn in some bushes in my world that caught my attention. 
And most of the burning was through people that God brought across my path. Mm-hmm. And so I have, in retrospect now, I'm looking for the burning in people in my life. Wow. Who's on fire wow. for something? What? Why is that guy so on fire about that? And I want to know more. So I remember, uh, you know, after I went through my crisis, I, my, my, uh, I, I, you know, suffered through a divorce and, and, uh, losing, you know, my kids for a season of time. Um, and, uh, so I'm alone and I'm sitting in a, uh, in a, uh, an apartment by myself in Dallas. And I'm just like, you know, doing nothing, trying to get a job. And all of a sudden I get on my Facebook, this, this message, Hey, Blaine, uh, you don't know me, but I'm in Canada, which is where I'm from. Mm-hmm. So Dallas, Canada. Uh, but there's this guy uh, that is uh, not a Christian that I'd like you to talk to him about Christ. I know you're a Christian. I followed you. And so I'm like, who is this person? And so I answer, you know, this, this Facebook message. And it's this beautiful girl. So I'm single. She's beautiful. But she's in Canada, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay. Well, long story short. I was scheduled to go to Canada a month later uh, to visit some family. And so I met up with her and I reached out to this guy that she asked me to reach out to who I used to ski with when I was in Canada. And I have to admit, when I first, you know, we first had a a meal together, I was kind of interested in her romantically, being single at the time and, you know, knowing I was going to be a lousy single person. And she was an on fire Christian. But there, there was, God had no cards in terms mm-hmm. of romance. She taught me, Brad, so much about freedom, coming out of addiction, mm-hmm. uh, the, the love and the goodness and grace uh, of Christ. There, there was such, uh, in fact, looking back, I thought this had to be like an angel. Like mm-hmm. God had to send this mm-hmm. person across my path. She gave me books. And I remember she said, when you get home, we, we spent about two, three days together. Uh, just, you know, again, nothing romantic, just, you know, talking and sharing and my story and her story. And she'd come out of some brokenness. And, and, uh, and the, the thing that made me want to meet with her the most was she had dated Wayne Gretzky, who was my favorite hockey player. So, like, I was like, I've got to meet this person who dated Wayne Gretzky. <laughs> so, so long story short, let's not go there. Um, she says, go home, Blaine. God is healing you. God is doing a work in your life mm-hmm. right now. Your best days are ahead. She said, when you get home, I want you to just sit in your living room and invite Jesus back into wow. that moment, back into your life. Wow. And I did. I got in my living room when I got off that airplane. I went and sat on my couch and I closed my eyes for about 10 minutes. And then I finally said, Jesus, I just invite you back into my life. Mm. And I sat there, bro. And this is the honest truth. I just saw in my heart, the Lord coming into my living room, sitting Mm. on my couch beside me, putting his arm around me. And then I heard the words, I love you. That's it. His presence was so there. And I never looked back. Mm. I was like, okay, I am going all in. I am going to rediscover Jesus in a way that I never have before. 
and it just lit me. So that burning bush mm-hmm. person, that, right. that fire got on me. And that's yeah. what God wants to do is who's coming across our path? What, what is God speaking to us in the moment wow. and letting that fire yeah. in to begin to burn in us? What I like about what you're saying is I really look at a burning bush like it's this, it is a pivotal turning point. And you're like, like, what is it? What it? And I think I love the way you even talk about it being people that because I, I don't think most of us realize it. I could be the burning bush for someone mm. else, but to be a burning bush for someone else, you have to be on fire. Yes. And if you're not on fire, you're not going to be that person that someone needs and God can't use you. But when you're on fire, the other thing I love about what you said was that uh, here you come out of your addiction and you're like, probably the last thing you need is a beautiful woman right. in front of you. Right, like, exactly. It's like, this is the one thing I don't need. And God's like, actually, that's the crazy, this is, that's the craziness of God and how he works. It's like, it's nuts that God would speak through a burning bush. But and I think when we look at that, there's so many metaphors in that, but, and I haven't done enough study on this to know. You know, one but, of the most beautiful things was the Lord taught me in that moment, uh, not to to be with a beautiful woman and not to objectify her or not to treat her as a romantic mm-hmm. interest. I remember the Lord just almost instantly after, uh, w- within a couple hours after meeting, just saying, this is this is not what you th- thought it w- might be, mm-hmm. you know, because I, you know how the male mind, well, maybe, you know, <laughs> never know. And, and I knew right away, this person has been sent into my life to bring something from Jesus. And yeah, that was, that was a part of it. It wasn't a preacher. It wasn't, you know, a, a book or it wasn't a podcast. Um, and I've just found, you know, I mean, when I think about our relationship and the relationships we have together as pastors in this city, uh, I mean, you're burning bushes for me. You know, when we get together and we mm-hmm. talk and we share, man, just fire gets off on each other. It's yeah. just so powerful. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I would, I would absolutely say that's true. In fact, you, you know, personally intimate details of my story that so many people really don't mm-hmm. know. Uh, in my own brokenness and uh, how God brought you into my life. I, I mean, I'm actually just kind of having, thinking that right now in this moment that it's so powerful this idea of people being a burning bush because I remember, I don't even remember how you and I came together and met each other, but I just remember you were there at, at a pivotal moment and in a good moment in my life and became that. So here's here's Moses. So this bush is on fire um, and, and the scripture tells us that um, Moses says, uh, God speaks to him through the bush and, and Moses says, here I am, which is the right answer every time. Here I am. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then God begins to uh, give him this plan. All right, so Moses, my people have been oppressed for 400 years and I choose you. You're the man and you're going to lead them in, in, into, into freedom. And so, <laughs> I mean, when when we see this outside of the Bible compact, comp, uh context, we just think, wait a second, this is a murderer. Why would you choose a murderer who's on the run? Like he's a murderer and he's on the run and he's hiding out and God's like, I pick you. And really this is how Moses feels. So look at this in verse 11. This is Moses' response. It says, Moses protested. Mm -hmm. He, He adamantly protested and he said this, who am I? Who am I to appear before Pharaoh? Then he says it again, who am I? to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt. 
So think about this. Moses goes from here I am, the right response, to who am I? And so what's Moses saying in this instance, I think what he's saying here is, I mean, who am I? I'm, I'm not righteous enough. I'm not holy enough. I'm not good enough. I'm, I'm not enough of this, which I think is also our response. And when I thought of this, I mean, did, it's kind of a dumb question, but did you have those moments? I think you've already mentioned that, but what was that like? I guess more, I would say, what yeah. was that like for you when God's, walk us through that. Because most people, and many people would say, well, based on your story, you're done. Yeah. You're never going to be able to minister again. You'll be lucky if you can, you know, work a quick trip. Right. Well, that's the way you feel. And, and when it first happens, you know, that's all you want. You don't want to step back into any kind of ministry or, or, or a church world. You just, you just kind of want to disappear. But the problem is, is uh, we have this all of us, this ministry of reconciliation, you know, mm -hmm. Paul talks about that there, there is this calling, whether it's in a pulpit ministry or not, there's this calling to help reconcile the world back to Christ. And so this, this starts to bubble up again. And yet you feel like, well, who am I to possibly speak on God's behalf? And it, it's, uh, it comes out of shame. You're just living in this shame. And there's such a fine, uh, line and nuance between guilt and shame. Guilt says, I've done evil. Shame says, I've become evil. Wow. And that's the way I was feeling, like I am an evil man. Mm -hmm. Look at all the evil I've done, and that makes me evil. And what God had to set me free from, really I would say heal me from, is the idea that I am a shameful evil man, that I, that I could actually have goodness in my life again. And I, one of my favorite passages in the wilderness is where the snakes are biting the Egyptians mm -hmm. with the poison and they're dying. Mm -hmm. And then uh, God tells Moses, put the snake mm -hmm. up on a rod. And he said, when they look at that snake, they will be healed. Right. Think about that. When you look at the thing that was destroying you, that is destroying you, that is poisoning you, mm. you'll be healed. Here's what the Lord says. We have to confront our brokenness, confront our sin, deal with it, give it to God, receive that forgiveness, and realize that none of us are good enough, mm -hmm. that all of us are only able to speak on his behalf, right. live for him, uh, you know, do good in the world. Yeah. because of his amazing grace. It's out of your brokenness that, that God bursts ministry. He, he uses yeah. you to heal others from their brokenness. Yeah. Uh, and you've been a pastor long enough, I've been a pastor long enough that I'm privy to everyone's story. So when I stand up on a Sunday morning, uh, which I haven't stood up on a Sunday no, morning and seen people's faces for a long time. So you can hide out if you want right now. But when I used to do, remember when we used to do that thing on a really? Sunday morning? Yeah, church, you know, we gather cool. and we yeah. seats. Yeah. yeah, kids, you'll have to ask your grandparents about that. That was something we used to do a long time ago. <laughs> soon and very soon. Please, Lord, let us meet again. But I, I know that when I'm standing up there and I, I look and I see... I know everyone's story. And I sometimes, I don't wanna say laugh, but sometimes I just kinda of laugh because I think if, if you knew that person's story that's sitting next to you, you probably wouldn't sit there. If you knew their story, and if you knew their story, and if you knew, but, but, but actually what I 
I think is if we just knew each other's story, mm. we could not sit in our brokenness, but we could work together to help heal one another. Oh, that's good. Yeah, we could celebrate uh, the healing yes. that, that God's doing in our lives. You know, I love uh, the Eastern Orthodox Church looked at sin as a viral sickness as much as they did a moral dilemma. Mm -hmm. So the idea was that God has come to heal us, not just forgive us. Mm -hmm. That, you know, by his stripes we're healed, mm -hmm. that I didn't come for uh, the healthy, but I came for the sick, Jesus said. So not only does he forgive us, not only does he say, okay, your wrongs have been righted and you're no longer guilty, but I'm going to heal whatever it was mm -hmm. that caused the brokenness in mm -hmm. the beginning. And that's where he takes away our shame and we can, we can live into his grace. Uh, and so we come to this point in Moses' story that we all have to come to if we are going to be healed. If, if we are, whether it's something you've done or something that's been done to you, the enemy wants to keep you in quarantine to never come out from the backside of the wilderness. Yeah. The enemy want that's, he had Moses right where he wanted him, but God had Moses right where he wanted him so he could speak to him. But we all have to come to this place where we turn our attention and really fully discover who I am not and who God is. And that's where we, in, in the story, if you look at uh, verse 14, uh, in verse 13, Moses basically asks God what his name is. Like, okay, so I'll do, I'm thinking about doing this. If I go, who do I say sent me? What's your name? And God answers with, by saying this, I am who I am. I am who I am. Say this to the people of Israel. I am has sent you to Moses. I love this because God takes Moses' statement of who am I? And he flips it on its head and he says, I am who I am. In other words, God says to Moses, you're not good enough, but I am. You're not righteous enough, but I am. You, you are not holy enough, but I am. And, and so when we recognize who I am, who, who I am, but who he is, and that stamp is on me, that's where the change takes place. Yeah, that's so good because, yeah, he's like, who am I? And, and the Lord said, it's not about you, mm -hmm. my friend. You know, it's, right. I am, you know, it's, I am with you. And uh, I love that Jesus didn't come to make bad people good. He came to make dead people alive. Mm. I, you know, I have heard you say that. It's what, one of my favorite things that I've heard you talk about, and I don't know if this is kind of your calling card, but man, you use that word resurrection. Oh, yeah. And uh, that God is about... It's not, it, God does want to restore you. He does want to renew you. Yeah. No, he wants to, he does want to do those things, but what he wants to, he wants to resurrect you. Yeah. Yeah. One of my favorite passages when you talk about I am is uh, where Paul, a murderer, much like Moses, killed, yeah. killed church people, uh, got saved. And then he said this, Brad, he said, I am what I am by the grace of God and his grace, which is bestowed upon me is not in vain. Yet I labor more abundantly than them all. Mm -hmm. Yet not I, mm -hmm. but the grace of God that is mm -hmm. with me. So there's this duality of we step into what God is calling us into and moving from wilderness to promised land, but we do so by the grace of God. And it's all about resurrection. Mm -hmm. You know, that 
That's why I, I wear this cross every day. It reminds me that I've been crucified with Christ, but nevertheless I live because now Christ is living through me. And so when we live into that resurrection, we've got this, uh, this grace and this power that has nothing to do with checking all the boxes. It's just Jesus reached into our death mm -hmm. and raised us up and said, mm -hmm. okay, you, you're gonna be a voice now. Yeah. You're gonna bring healing now. It's not about, you know, because you finally got good enough. It's, it's you finally got dead enough right. that I could breathe life back mm -hmm. into you. And, and that's the beauty of Christ. And that's what makes Christianity mm -hmm. different mm -hmm. from every other attempt to get to God is it's not us earning our mm -hmm. way. It is God saying, I've made a way through Jesus. The reason I love that you use the word resurrection is because you are not who you used to be. Like blame Bartell, th th this is the hope and the story of being a follower of Jesus. Like me, I remember that moment where I gave my life to Christ and, and I'm not who I used to be. It's not like the old Brad has improved right? And, I, and, I, and, he's, and Jesus has come in and there's still the old Brad there, but literally we believe as followers of Jesus, my old life is dead, Yeah, it's gone. And I've been resurrected to someone new yeah. in my life. And it happens. Transformation is possible mm -hmm. in Christ. Sometimes we don't think it can happen. Like someone, can, can they really change? Mm -hmm. You know, can they really conquer alcohol? Can they really live without that past trauma and pain and everything? Yes, 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 mm -hmm. yes. By God's grace, I, I share this all the time for one reason, but by God's grace, I'm in my ninth year without a slip up, without mm. any uh, relapse into my former world of porn and what all of that, by God's grace. And the reason I know it's grace, Brad, is I get up in the morning, there's no weight, there's no draw, there's no, oh, I've got to somehow white knuckle through my day today and not mm. do this. Mm -hmm. There's this grace that I live into. There's these, uh, the, the spiritual routines that I live into. There's this love that Jesus has put in my heart. This, it, it's, it's almost indescribable. And it's not that I'm not tempted anymore. It's just that when I woke up in my addiction 10 years ago, uh, when I woke up, it was like a megaphone in my ear every morning. Like, and it was nonstop until I got to sleep. And today it's like a, a whisper outside the door. That's mm. resurrection, mm. is that God actually does change us. He right. transforms us where we're not the same person that mm. we used to be. Mm. I remember, I'll end with this. When I was, I've been married now uh, to Lori, of course we, we know each other, but um, for uh, six years. And I remember when we were dating, we dated for a year. And, uh, I remember. So Lori's uh, not the one who knew Wayne Gretzky. No, no. Lori, Lori's dad was. Uh, also, was that almost a deal killer? <laughs> it almost was. Lori's an, an Okie. But uh, she, her dad is actually a, a formerly a famous mu music star, so that was good. But, anyways, <laughs> <laughs> so got, there, there had to be something. But, but I, bro, we're on our third date. Okay, we didn't know each other from a bale of hay. I mean, she had no idea my past. I had no idea what her world, where she came from. And so I, I have not told her anything about my past. 
So on my third day, you know, things are going pretty well. And I'm like, I've got to be honest. So I remember looking at her and saying, Lori, um, have you Googled me? <laughs> <laughs> and she looked at me, bro, oh. and she said, why would I want to Google you? Oh. I said, you might want to Google me. <laughs> and so she, she got online mm. and called me the next day. And because uh, I didn't tell her anything. And she said, oh, my goodness, you have a past. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah, there's quite a few articles about, you know, what happened. And, mm -hmm. and uh, tell me what, what, and so I shared, you know, my 23 years of addiction. I shared all of my story. And uh, I remember what she said. She said, Blaine, I don't know who that guy is. You know, I've mm -hmm. known you for now a month and a half. And uh, I just, you, you just don't feel or seem like you're mm -hmm. that guy anymore. And I said, well... I'm not. Yeah. But I thought you ought to know. And so, wow. So, resurrection is real. And yeah. Jesus can take our broken stories, give us burning bushes, mm -hmm. bring revelation and heat and light and fire into our life mm -hmm. to live again, to keep pushing through this wilderness moment yep. and to get to that promised land. Mm -hmm. Because there's, there's good things on the other side of the wilderness if we'll do our work there. I, I just, you know, the one thing I, and I don't know if this has anything to do with anything, but uh, I knew you uh, before the big blow up um, from a distance. I knew you as Blaine Bartell, the author, Blaine Bartell, the youth pastor. I remember sitting at, uh, in a conference in the audience and you stood there and, and you were teaching me and I had a couple of your books and, didn't know you, and uh, and it wasn't until you know years later that you and I now have become friends. And I, I'm glad I know you now. Yeah. And I'm glad I call you my friend. Um, mm. Your story, I know, has inspired thousands. I just think you're one of the. Uh, I just want to say this, just uh, I don't know for the sake of saying it, just to encourage you. You just blow me away because I've never seen anybody be so transparent. You could, you could just kind of walk away from that and, and go do something else and nobody would ever blame you for that. But that you have leaned into that and still allowed that story to be told um, and to see the resurrection power in you and how God is using you. Uh, and But just to know you as a, as a friend and, and like a brother. I mean, you and I, of course, we... I've become friends and eat lunch with other pastors and things like that. And our friendship now has um, been like like brothers, truly like brothers, where we are working together and where I see this brutal life that we have, where mm -hmm. you and I both say, you have your brutal story, I have my brutal story, and together God is making something beautiful mm -hmm. out of it. I, I want to ask you if you would, um, and w by the way, when we close today, um, we'll, we'll put on the end there. We'll put the links to, uh, Blaine's website. If you want to get his book, it's on Amazon. It's an amazing book. Uh, if you, uh, want to hear his story, it's on his YouTube channel, Blaine Bartell, um, YouTube channel. It's an incredible story. I encourage you to watch that. But what I would like for you to do is, would you just pray for those who are on the backside of the wilderness, either they've done something or something's been done to them. Yeah. And I believe this can be that burning bush moment where God speaks to them. And I just wonder if you just, just yeah, pray. I'd love to. Father, uh, for every man, every woman, every young person that may be watching right now, we just speak 
the word of the Lord into their lives and declare that you, by the power of the great I am, the power of Christ, are healed, forgiven, and graced to move through whatever loneliness, whatever brokenness, whatever pain, whatever hurt that you're in, in this moment. Lord, be present right there in that living room, right there in that bedroom, in that kitchen, in that car. Be present now, Lord. Wrap your loving arms around my brother, my sister. Lord, show your grace strong, I pray. And Lord, lead them from this burning bush moment of feeling the fire and the heat and the warmth and the passion of Christ, lead them into all the good promises of God. Lord, this new land, this new territory that you've called them to take, to pursue, to be. I pray in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. Amen. Amen.